0: You're listening to the premier podcast for men who want to not only be better with women, but want to be better men in general. This is the Come On Man podcast. And here's your host, Paul Bauer. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another exciting week of Come On Man. If you haven't done so already, please like, fave, subscribe, hit those notifications. If you are listening on your favorite audio platform of choice like Spotify or iTunes, give us a five-star review and actually take some time to write out why you like the show or why you hate the show. Uh, make sure you guys comment below. Even, you know, the simplest thing. I love it when, when people listen to this part. They don't just fast forward to the interview. They actually listen to this part. And, uh, and I say, hey, just write the word comment because even writing the word comment in the comments helps boost us in the algorithms. And uh, occasionally someone will say, I'm writing comments for the algorithm or something. So that stuff helps. All right. This week is uh, a really good guest. Um, I really like this guy. He goes by Rob Says. And you may not have heard of him. He's kind of lesser known, um, I would say, worldwide in the Red Pill community. But I would say everyone that's prominent in the red pill community knows who Rob is. Uh, Rob actually lives pretty close to me too. He's about five hours away over in Utah, uh, but he's he's been in this game for a while now, and he is a wealth of information. Uh, he's he's one of those guys that likes to <laughs> make fun of the uh, the 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 red pill. As a trademark type guy,s um, and he, he on his own personal blog and his own personal YouTube channels, he, you know, actually gives some real solid advice. You know, real real solid information. He's really big about uh, people figuring out what they want in life, right? Not what society tells us that we want, not what you were raised to believe, not you know, some kind of conformity, you know, that your, your, your parents think you should do, but what do you actually want to do? Uh, Rob is also a, uh, co-host on several other, uh, you know, Manosphere shows out there on the interwebs. And we talk about all that stuff. So after this interview, definitely give him a follow because he's a good guy to know. He's definitely a, a good guy to know. And I will bring you that conversation right after this. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y ycom These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This
1: product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
0: I'm not sure what you're doing tonight, but what I'm doing involves a bottle of crevassier and a lady. Well, maybe not the crevasse, but definitely a lady. If you're like me, you're tired of expensive, girly-smelling colognes from expensive department stores. You don't want to smell like a little bitch. You want to smell like a friggin' man. That's why I've partnered with Duke Cannon. Duke Cannon has a wide range of men's grooming products that actually smell manly as hell. My personal favorites are their Naval Supremacy Bar Soap and all of their awesome smelling colognes that women love. I have several of their colognes for different days of the week, but my Saturday night cologne is Grant. Because it gets the job done, if you know what I mean. Right now, if you visit duke.comeonmanpod.com, You get free shipping on orders over $25. Using duke.comeonmanpod.com tells them I sent you and you get free shipping. Win-win. Again, that's duke.comeonmanpod.com. Don't smell like a little bitch. All right, joining me this week is a man the ladies call a silver fox. And Nick August describes him as a wise and just drop ship poster. He has his own YouTube channel and also co-hosts "Let Him Burn" with Nick August and Bullrush and "Red Evening" with Jack Napier. It's Rob says, "What's going on, Rob?
1: What's going on there, Paul? How are you?"
0: Um, I'm doing good, man. i i took I took several weeks off from recording, so you're you're one of the first guys I, I've had back. So this is oh, this so is a real treat. You're, you're like you're
1: almost like a virgin again. All right. Cool. <laughs> So That's that, right. Ignore I'm going my- to get the towel and the, the kiss afterwards. Perfect. I love it.
0: Ignore my body count. It doesn't matter. It
1: <laughs> And it really doesn't. It just doesn't.
0: So Rob, I haven't asked anyone this in a while, but, uh, who hurt you, Rob?
1: Everybody fucking hurt me. That, that's all I can say to that. Everybody hurt me. So I have a grudge against anyone and everyone pretty much. You're just generally mad at the world or? <laughs> kind of, sort of, you know, I, I, I'm i not really mad at the world. I'm just mad at dipshits. That's, okay. Yeah. I think that's fair.
0: <laughs> I think that's fair. Well, I, I think yeah. a, a better a better question is, uh, you know, a lot of people say they've had some kind of red pill moment uh, some it's multiple moments. Uh, but what what led you into the space?
1: Of ah, kind of. I <laughs> know kind of, shit. The, 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 the Batman origin story. OK. Yeah. Well, there's two of them. There's what I thought was the Batman origin story. And then there was the Batman origin story.
0: Oh, okay. I haven't heard anything like this before.
1: Well, I'm going to give you both of them. Why not? So back in 07 is when I got married and it was great until it wasn't, which was a few years later. Uh, probably where i started seeing things really going south was probably around 2012 something like that and i had i don't even remember exactly how i stumbled across rollo's stuff but i did mm-hmm. and i was just like oh my god you know, I'm reading the blog. I hadn't even bought the book, but I had, I was reading the blog.
0: This is while you were still married?
1: Oh, yeah. This was while I was still married. Okay. Okay. And what Rolo did it, right off the bat for me was it was like confirmation. Like, dude, you're not fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay. All the shit that's going on that you're seeing going on around you. And I would bring it up to people. And this was before Rolo. I would bring things up to people and I would get weird stares. They'd be like, dude, you're crazy. And so you get told that enough times by enough different people over a long enough period of time. One, you shut up. And number two, you start actually questioning your sanity. You start thinking, God, maybe I am crazy. You know, maybe I am actually a nut job. I don't know. But it was Rolo's work that, you know, I started realizing, holy shit, I'm not crazy. He, he, you know, there's, he's telling me, he's reiterating to me a lot of the things that I already have seen. Yeah. Well, when I decided in late 2004, yeah, 2014, I decided to get divorced. Uh, you know, so
0: you're, you're the one that filed...
1: Uh, yes, I'm one of that 30%, 20%, whatever, you know, yeah. the, the small group. I was the one who chose to to end the the marriage. And the ex-wife, uh, which it surprised me, but it didn't. Because I was working two jobs at the time, and I was doing anything and everything in my power to stay away from her and from the house.
0: Mm.
1: Okay. And so, if she would have accused me of having an affair, I would have been like, fair enough. You know, all the signs are there, even though I wasn't. It's, I, I was never home. I came home late. I didn't want to have sex because I definitely did not want to have sex. I, I didn't want to touch this woman. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I, my resentment and my anger and everything, cause I was doing all the stupid shit that guys do. I did it all. And I finally just had enough because there came a point where to me, there was really only two options. It was either get divorced or put a shotgun in my mouth and call it a day. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's kind of where I got, and so obviously I chose divorce over the shotgun because I I did not want to live another moment the the way I was living it's like if this is all if this is all life is meant to be for me and if this is all I am meant to be to her to life then I I don't want to do it I fuck this I'd rather be dead. Mm-hmm. And so I filed for divorce and my divorce actually went Fairly painlessly compared to a lot of people's that I've I've heard about or I know about. Number one, we didn't have kids, thank God. So there was no custody battles. There was no child support. There was no weaponizing the kids. None of that kind of stuff. Uh, she did try at one point during the divorce period. It had already been filed. And in Utah... I don't know how it is like in in Colorado or or in other areas, but in Utah, even if both parties decide, yeah, you know, no harm, no foul, because it's no fault. Mm -hmm. uh, There is a 90 day waiting period where they they're not just going to automatically the judge, the court's not just going to automatically sign off on it. You have 90 days minimum. Now, if you have kids and other stuff, that's an extra step you got to take. Uh, at least in utah but it was during the 90 days that then she probably about 45 days in decided to get cute and start talking about alimony and i just remember like oh really even though we weren't going to do this now you're you're hinting at it and insinuating it and i'm just like you know what bring it you know if you want to go there let's do this you know you'll never see a dime because fuck you that's why (laughs) So, but she backed off. She didn't, you know, it was all bark, no bite. And she backed off and by, let's see, I filed in April. Oh, so yeah, it's about, it's been now, what is it? 22. So it's been what? Seven years. uh, So you filed in? April of 2015. April of 2015. I, I told her I wanted the divorce um like in i think it was either november or december of 2014 and all hell broke loose when i did that because Mm. she really did not see it coming even though i'm thinking really you didn't see this wow denial's not just a river in egypt (laughs) you know okay but so i when i got divorced I hit the ground running as in I, I wanted to date, I wanted to do. So I'm out there and I'm You're doing like the, uh, freedom. Finally. Yes. Fucking freedom, you know? And so I'm out there, you know, I'm dating women, I'm spinning plates. I'm doing all the things that Rollo's talked about that everybody loves. And, and I decided at that point too, you know, yeah, I'm going to get on Twitter and I'm going to, you know, I, I I'm going to be the next Rollo Tomasi, you know, <laughs> but the truth is there is no Rollo Tomasi except Rollo Tomasi.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: But I thought, man, I'm red pill because I've read all his stuff and I've seen it, man. You know, and then I met a woman and, and she was significantly younger than me. She was 20 years younger than me. My man. Like, all right. Yeah. Okay. And when I first met her, it was at least from my end, it was, well, yes, she's younger, hotter, tighter. Okay. And I, I could not, at least initially, other than, well, maybe she's got daddy issues or she's got this, she's got that. Though I couldn't imagine what the hell does she see in a guy that's like 20 years older than her. I, I couldn't imagine. I was just like, <sighs> because in my world, that wasn't a thing you know, yeah. dating significantly younger. That's, that's what happens to Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, that's what happens to celebrities. That doesn't happen to average, you know, chumps like me. It's like, so I, I so really, That was like,
0: that was like a self-limiting belief you
1: had. Oh, totally. And it was programmed into me in a lot of ways by culture, by family, yep. uh society that. Oh, you we're know,
0: ashamed for it. I put out. Oh, absolutely. I put out TikToks absolutely. about you know, dating younger women and and like the older women are the ones that get pissed about. the.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yes, they do. (laughs) Trust me. I know. Because the funny thing is going back to, like I said, the beginning of it, she's younger, hotter, tighter. And I thought, oh, well, this is just, she's got, you know, maybe a fetish or something, you know, into older men. For like a fetish you know it's a daddy issue whatever i don't care i'm getting laid what the fuck? it doesn't matter but i figured it would only go on for you know a few weeks maybe a couple of months and then once the the new shiny veneer wore off then it would probably just fade out well i ended up dating her for almost four years and we ultimately ended up living together too Okay. Now that my my ex-wife was the what I thought was my Batman origin story. Right. The real Batman origin story was younger, hotter, tighter. Okay. Okay. Because she was the one in 2018, at the very end of 2018, she decided I don't want to do this anymore. And so she packed up all her shit one day while I was at work. I come home. To all her shit packed up, and she's like, I'm leaving. And I'm just like, just never saw it coming. Never saw it coming. And okay. here, you know, I'm red pilled, man, and you know, and hypergamy and, you know, whammy <laughs> shit, man. Cause I had gone down the outrage red meat rabbit hole too. Sure. Which was part of why she left. There was other things, and that, you know, not to say it was all my fault. Oh no, she, she's an asshole, and all of this too. She had her part to play, but I was just, I, it totally was a curveball, totally blindsided me, and I'm just like, the only thing that, as far as I was concerned, where when I when I was done with my marriage, I was done like there's nothing you're going to say or do that's going to change my mind and she tried my ex-wife had tried Mm -hmm. and i had told her like nothing's going to change my mind we're done well that's kind of how it was with the ex-girlfriend she was a lot more kind about it she was a lot nicer about it but i could tell she was done that it's Mm -hmm. like well there's There's nothing more to say here, you know, there, I'm not going to beg and plead and chase her around and stalk her or whatever, because this chick's done. Cause I know what done looks like because I've been there. So I did what I, what I could do, the best thing I could do, which is I let her go. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Okay. And that's, that was really my red pill was, you know, the, the whole thing when guys talk about Uh, she's not yours. It's just your turn. Yeah. And a lot of people are very bitter, bitter about that. And I I get it. But to me, it's like you're overthinking it. Okay. The truth is, uh, uh, to me, another way to rephrase that, that term would be, do you want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with you? Mm hmm. Because that's you know, that's when when it, when a relationship ends, unless you know somebody died, that's what happens. Somebody, whether it's the guy or it's the chick, somebody decides I don't want to do this anymore for reasons. And it it doesn't matter what the reasons are because ultimately why did they leave? Because they could. And do yeah. you want to keep them around when they don't want to be around?
0: Uh, I always looked at, uh, you know, she's not yours. It's just your turn as a great, almost like a coping mechanism for a breakup. I feel like it's not necessarily the best mindset to have going into a new relationship. But when a relationship ends, it it definitely helps you to go, you know what? You know what? It's fine. (laughs)
1: Well, it really is. And I I like your take on it too, Paul. Um, To add to that, one of my little mantras, if you will, that I have for me
0: Mm
1: -hmm. is there's always another woman. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so even when I get into something new always in the back of my head that's it's it's like a subroutine that's playing all the time and 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 it could be for better or worse i don't know but it works for me is the the idea that hey this chick's pretty cool and yes she's a lot of fun and i enjoy her and all of that but at the same time she may leave i may leave because hey there's been several relationships that i was the one who pulled the plug Because I just, I didn't want to do it anymore. It's like, it got stagnant. It got, you know, it got, uh, it got too confining or whatever it may be. And I was the one who decided to say, I don't want to do this. And the thing that's been that's kept me from, you know, wanting to eat that shotgun round or go into despair and start doing, you know, videos about whammy shit and join the black pillars yeah. is the idea that there's always another woman. Because as far as my experience goes, there always has been another woman, you know, yeah. that it might take a minute, it, you know, if I did monogamy or something like that and kind of got rid of all my options and just focused on this one. Then yeah, if 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 and when that goes south, well, now I get to start all over again. Now I get to go back out there again. And it can be tiresome sometimes and it can be a pain in the ass occasionally. But it's it's what keeps me keeps me alive, it keeps me optimistic is that dude, there's another woman. You know, because you've had that you thought that's what your wife was initially in the very, very beginning was, ah, here's my one woman and I'm I'm good. I'm good, man. I I, I don't have to worry about dating and none of that stuff. And then when shit went south on that, it's like, OK, but then I was like, man, I want to get back out there and fucking date. And, you know, and I'm going to spin plates and meet a whole bunch of chicks and bang as many of them as I can. And then, you know, all of a sudden, here's this 20-something-year-old chick that it's like, oh, shit, you know, she's, she, we, it turns out when people asked me, they were like, what is, what is, how, what is, what does a 43-year-old man and a 23-year-old woman possibly have in common other than sex? Turns out we had a lot in common. mm she was, I always teased her cause she hated, um, she hated the fact that she was a millennial and I would always kind of give her shit about it, but I'd always, I'd always follow it up with, well, you're a Gen Xer trapped in a millennial body Okay. because her, her mindset was more where my mindset is. And so there were a lot of times I, after a while, I would forget about the age difference. And I would just see her as her and it would require uh, uh, usually a woman my age or older or somebody else outside of us that would be the ones doing the guilt, the shame, the wow, dude, aren't you a pedophile or something like that, Mm -hmm. where then it would be like, oh, that's right. I am literally dating someone young enough that they could be my daughter, you know, because she didn't see me that way. And after a while, I didn't see her that way. She was just, this is my woman. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, yes, she's 20 years younger than me. And yeah, occasionally that, that um, youth would show up in the form of she didn't know because she hadn't had the life experience. You know, there'd be things that, oh, that's right. You, you haven't been around as long as I have. So, of course, you, you don't know, you know, but that's, yes. that was my experience with that one. Got
0: so. it. When you were talking about uh, having in the back of your mind that there's always another woman that kind of reminds me of uh, a little bit of like Dr. Glover says, you know, it's good to be lovingly detached. And was it Ryan says, uh, hate your woman just a little bit. Just a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hate your woman just a little bit. Or Corey Wayne says, uh, there's another bus every 15 minutes like that. Yep. That's what comes to mind there. And uh, I've, I've had to come to learn that you know, I feel like a lot of us in our old programming, we want to, you know, just get lost in this new relationship and just fall madly in love and, you know, throw caution to the wind. And, but you know what? Shit just doesn't always work out and it's not always your fault. (laughs) So it's, it's good to sometimes just have that mentality. Like, you know what? I can walk away at any time and be okay with it. And if she walks away, I'll be
1: okay with it. Yep. You'll be fine. You may not be fine for a moment and that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one thing I realized in my dating and with me and my, the way I deal with women. Um, And my way is not, you know, the recommended, Hey, you need to do it my way. It's like, no, everyone's got to figure theirs out. But for me, Um, I did the whole stay back, stay detached, did all that. And yeah, so when women left or I got sick of it or whatever, and I left, it really didn't hurt. It was like, ah, it's no big deal. But I didn't really feel anything either. It was just like, okay, so in a way, it's like we were just using each other's bodies to masturbate. Is what we were doing. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with that, except you can't build a lifestyle around that as far as I'm concerned. All right. Now, maybe some guys can, but I wanted more. It's like, no, I, I want to be excited to see my woman or my women. Okay. So I realized for me that in order to do that, I have to kind of jump all in. I have to go all in. Mm -hmm. Now the women understand because the conversation comes up fairly early when I meet them that it's like, look, I'm not against monogamy or cohabitation. Um, I will not get state sanctioned married again. That's done. I'm just not. Yeah. I I did that. Got the t-shirt, been there, done that. I'm not doing that again, but cohabitation maybe. Uh, right now at this point in my life, no, but I'm open to it. If she's the right woman for me, Mm -hmm. I'm open to monogamy, but I'm not going to become a serial dater because I did all of that crap back before I ever got married. You know, you get in a little relationship and it's just this one girl and you're like, that's my girl. And then in this, I'm her guy and blah, blah, blah. And the next thing you know, she's like, yeah. Okay. So I date, I date multiple women because I've realized for me so far, not one woman can fulfill all of my needs. It's like, oh, I've got my belly dancer that she's, she's just about as debaucherous as I am. And it's like, okay, so we go and we do our thing. But then there's other women where I can be more like philosophical with them. Yes, I'm still fucking them, but we can still talk philosophy too. Or there's women that are very active that, okay, so these are the girls I got to go do shit with, got to go camping and hiking and all that. No one of them fits all of those things. And so that's where it's like, well, I've got this girl for this activity. I got this girl for that activity. I got this girl for this. And that's what I do. And they know about it because I've told them about it to keep it honest, to keep it up front, because otherwise, then I'm the schmuck who's cheating. And I don't want to do that. And I don't want to have any I don't want there to be any misunderstandings.
0: Okay. yeah. I think that's fair. I've always been the guy that, uh, well, not always, uh, once I started getting into the stuff and realizing that dating one chick at a time is the shittiest possible way to date. Yes. Because, you know, you go all in on this one chick that you met on a dating app or whatever you, you, you go on one date with her. And then if she doesn't go on a second date with you, well, fuck now I got to start all over again. Whereas if you're dating multiple women, it's like, well. I don't care, you know. But I've always once I figured that part out, I was like, okay, I will spin multiple plates until I find the right plate.
1: Correct. Uh,
0: But but like you said, I never get married again. I just it's just not in the cards. The state sanctioned thing is just uh, it's just too much. Yeah. Um, So let me ask you this. So a few weeks ago, you, uh, Nick, and Bullrush did a "Let Them Burn" episode about how red meat is a loss of frame. And how whenever men buy into the idea that masculinity has been, excuse me, stolen, they aren't operating in their own frame. Now, obviously, people should go back and watch that discussion, but can you give us a a Cliff's notes on on what you meant by that?
1: Yeah, what it is, um, I have to preface it with, um, to me, masculinity isn't a commodity, It's not something that is finite. It's not something that you can sell or trade or have taken from you. I don't wake up at any point of my life ever since I was a little kid to right now, this moment that I'm talking to you. I've never woken up and been like, gee, am I masculine enough? Where did my masculinity go? Did my mask? Somebody took my masculinity. No, I've always been masculine. I've always been a man. Okay. Even when I was a kid, I, you know, I was a boy. I'm a boy. This is how it goes. So when I see these guys talking about there's a crisis in masculinity, uh, for me that it's like, okay, there's two ways to look at it. Either we're back to the biological side of things, the biological, you have an X and a Y chromosome okay which that never changes no matter what gender you choose okay you're you're still going to be either female or you're going to be male and yes that's why i'm not a big fan of 37 flavors of gender okay <laughs> if you want to take it from a biological perspective now i think you know to give some credit to the guys who talk about a crisis in masculinity they're going from a behavior set they're coming from well, guys aren't acting like guys. Mm-hmm. And on that one, I'll give them a little credit because I think most guys today um, basically are pussies. Okay? Mm-hmm. They're, they're so browbeaten and they've spent so much time sitting at the knee of women that they don't know how to act like a guy now on that end there might be and i, I i'm still uh, i'm still on the fence about it but from a behavior set they might there might be a, a crisis of, in masculinity because mm-hmm. it's guys not acting like guys they're acting like defective women as rollo would call it
0: yeah I, uh, there's a book uh, a friend of mine recommended called boy cross crisis or something like that it talks about how you know it A lot of men nowadays are raised in single mother households, how they're primarily taught in schools by female teachers. So they just have this influx of feminine influence and a lack of masculine influence. And that's where the crisis is. And and
1: that may very well be. Uh, because you're not wrong there, Paul. I mean, I'm, I'm your typical dude that came from, you know, a single parent household. Mom and dad got divorced when I was eight and mom was the one that that raised me until adulthood. And then, yeah, you know, school was primarily women. Um, college was primarily women and then when i get out into the workforce initially there was the hr department that was all women and women bosses and and i did the same thing in a lot of ways that a lot of these younger guys have done you know i i was a you know acting kind of like a pussy too i just got to a point and it was after my divorce where i was just like you know i did everything everyone told me to do I did what my teachers told me to do. I did what uh, religion, which is why I kind of have a beef with religion, told me to do. I did what society told me to do. I did what dear old mom and dad told me to do, and the right thing. Yeah, the right thing. And yeah, by God. those definitions, I succeeded. Okay, I did. I I had all the things. Okay, except I wanted to kill myself. Mm -hmm. How did I succeed then? Answer me that. Okay. I had all the things, you know, I had the house, I had the wife, I had, we didn't have the kids, thank God, but we had everything else. And yet I wanted to commit suicide. I hated my existence. I hated my life. Tell me how I succeeded. You didn't.
0: Exactly.
1: (laughs) I failed in every way that you probably could other than, well, I didn't end up in jail or, you know, strung out on drugs or something. But it was after my divorce where I was like, I did everything everyone else's way. I did all the shit that society, friends, family, all that said. And look where it got me. So, you know what? I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do what I want to do now. And I started doing it. And yes, I got flack. You know, oh, your date, your date. That's that's not your daughter. That's your your girlfriend. (gasps) How dare you? (coughs) (laughs) You know, oh, my God, you're you're dating multiple women at the same time and you're fucking all of them. (gasps) How dare you? You know, and it was, oh, you're you're reluctant to commit because you're like, yeah, I've already kind of been there, man. And it's not that fucking great. You know, how dare you? Mm -hmm. And yet I am more happy now doing my thing, doing it on my terms that even even my dad finally gave up trying to give me dating advice because I'm like, you know, dad. I love you, man. You're a great dad. And when it comes to things like home repair and car repair and all that kind of stuff, I will be sitting at your knee writing notes and shutting the fuck up and listening, but don't tell me how to date. This is one area that, yeah, I think I know a little better about me, especially than you do. I'm good. Thank you.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, I feel like most of us learn relationships from our parents in some fashion. Absolutely. And it's, And most of us have failed miserably at them because we follow in the footsteps. Like my parents, they're still together, which a lot of people would say, oh, that's a big success. Look at them. They've been married forever. Mm, Longevity is not a good.
1: Yeah, there you go. Longevity is not a metric for success.
0: It's not. No, they they, they they are together despite each other. (laughs) Just hoping one of the other ones dies. Like that's, it's sad.
1: Well, you just described my parents' marriage to a T and, you know, basically my dad won because my mom died, but you just described their marriage, you know, that they, they tolerated each other at best. And that's what I modeled. And that's what I created. I recreated their marriage and mine. And gee, no wonder I wanted to eat a shotgun round because my parents both did too. They just were too fucking stubborn to do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Your
0: story, I mean, it's kind of similar to mine. When I was married, I, I hadn't heard of Rollo yet, but I would listen to Tom Lycus on my commute to work okay, or from work. And I would just, <laughs> I would, I guess I would say that that was more like red pill rage. They, they didn't, he didn't call it red pill though. Um, it, it, it just wasn't a term, I guess, back then, maybe, uh, or I hadn't heard of it yet.
1: Yeah, it but, hadn't really gone mainstream.
0: But I would listen to him on the way home just going, yeah, fuck that bitch. That bitch is doing that. That bitch is, you know, I'd just be mad at my wife. And I and then I didn't want to be around my wife. <clears throat> but because my parents had, been, had never gotten divorced, well, I can't get divorced. I'm never quitting. I'm just going to suck it up because this is what you do. Yeah, you became
1: a promise keeper.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. And so, when she filed for divorce, it was like a huge weight had lifted off my chest because she did it and I didn't have to, mm. you know?
1: So, going back to the whole, you know, crisis in masculinity thing. Yes. Okay. Um, You just brought up something very interesting where you said a huge weight was lifted off your chest because you didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Okay, you let her do it. And she di- kind of dictated the terms. She because did. Yeah. The, the person who files dictates the terms. Uh, and I don't care what state you're in and what the laws are. That is how that kind of goes, which is why I chose to be the one to be like, fuck it, I'm filing. Because then I'm dictating the terms that it's like, this is how it's going to go. And maybe that it's guys have become very passive.
0: Oh, I'm, I fully admit it. Fully admit it. I used to, uh, basically the way I was raised, my dad would sort of act like women are in charge of the house. You know, husbands are like the Indians in old movies. They never win, you know? Oh God. And so in like happy, happy wife, happy life, (sighs) you know? And so I was always that, you know, whatever makes her happy, you know, so yeah, I was totally passive. It wasn't until I read No More Mr. Nice Guy that I realized, holy fuck, I've done this wrong my whole life.
1: Yeah. Masculinity uh, and, and crisis. What, <laughs> and what covert contracts did you create? You know what I mean? Yeah. That was a big one for me because I had I had a buttload of them. And I'm just oh, yeah. like, oh God, you know, I got to own this shit. You know, she's not the total asshole here because here's all my expectations that I never spoke about and all this other shit. Yeah.
0: Oh, 100%. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't I don't uh I mean my my ex-wife total bitch, <laughs> but I don't point the finger at her like oh it's all her fault. You know, right. there was plenty of it that I fucked up, you know, and I and I could have if I went back and I knew what I knew now, probably could have made things better, but the in reality, she and I just weren't really that compatible to begin yep. with. So I probably wouldn't have married her in the first place knowing what I know now.
1: <laughs> and, and that's that's totally how I look at my my marriage is the same way that it's like, yeah, if I knew now what I, you know, if I knew then what I know now, uh, I probably would have never married her except, There there was a lot of positive things. I I needed this lesson, if you want to call it that. I needed it Mm -hmm. because I was passive and I was on cruise control and I was going along to get along and then happy wife, happy life, all that nonsense. And it was through her that some of my closest real life friends came about was because of her. So I can't fault her for that Mm -hmm. Um, because otherwise I would have never met these people. Um, I can't in a way it's, it's very indirect, but when I took on my second job, that's ultimately how I met the younger, hotter, tighter chick was through that job. Mm. And it was my ex-wife who encouraged me to, to take on that second job to be like, oh, you'd be good at that. You know, you should do that. And I was like, oh, okay, I don't know." And she's like, "No, no, you should do it, you know." And so I did, and lo and behold, in walks younger, hotter, tighter at, at a later date because I was still doing that job. But I'm looking at it going, "Jesus!" If it hadn't have been for the ex-wife kind of encouraging me and pushing me in that direction, I would have never met her, mm. you know. I, which was one of the the greatest relationships I've ever had, even though it ended even though she ended it, even though um, she ended it in a less than spectacular fashion. And even though it hurt like a motherfucker, that that was way worse than any, any breakup I'd had any, any type of thing. It was a death, you know, and two weeks later, my mom died on top of it. Yeah. So I, I, I experienced two deaths back to back, But I wouldn't change it. It, You know, if someone said, hey, if you had to go back and do it all over again and you would get the same result, would you do it again? With that, with that chick? Absolutely. I would do it all over again, even though I would know it's going to end the same way. It's going to hurt. You're going to just be absolutely fucking miserable because the good times outweighed the bad times. Mm -hmm. And it was the it was the relationship that I had always fantasized about, except I was living it that it's like, Oh my God, I'm actually fucking living this.
0: Yeah. And
1: yeah. know. so one,
0: one thing, uh, have you ever had guys that are like, Oh, I, I wish I knew this stuff before I got married and like, or I wish I knew this stuff when I was 18. And I'm like, yeah, I do too. However, I wouldn't have listened. I wouldn't nope, have read that, it. Exactly. You, yep. you like you need that pain because yep. that's the catalyst that brings you to this shit.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. No, there's there's a meme that I've seen floating around on the internet. It it resurfaces about every year or so. And it says, What advice would you tell your younger self? Mm-hmm. You know, if you could go back and sit down with young Rob, and Paul could go back and sit down with young Paul. And I sit there and you know what advice would you give young Rob? My honest answer is I wouldn't tell that motherfucker anything. And why? Because he wouldn't listen anyway. He he'd look at me and be like, shut the fuck up, dude. I got this. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, and do then he'd know, walk away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> get away from me, old man. The the most he might do is if he recognized that, oh wow, that that's me in 30 years, is he'd go. Well, you're still around. I guess I'm doing all right then, you know, but beyond that, he would, he would literally just tell me to shut up and go away. He wouldn't listen. So I wouldn't bother telling younger me what to do, you know, like, Hey man, you're, you're going down this road and you can avoid a lot of pain and heartache, but it's that pain and heartache that allowed me to be, you know, it, it helped me become who I am today. So you do have to experience the pain and maybe that's part of the crisis in masculinity too. Um, We're all pain avoidant to some degree. There's no doubt. And everyone has a different threshold, but I've seen it. It's kind of like the argument that, you know, this guy clearly has never been punched in the face. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I see guys running their mouths all the time that I'm like, yeah, that guy's never been in a fight before. Where I have, I've been in plenty of fights that it's like, yeah, you learn that when you run your mouth, especially in public, uh, there's consequences for running your mouth. You know, someone might stand up and go, I'm your fucking Huckleberry, you asshole. Come here, you know, and mm-hmm. you might get your ass kicked and maybe you needed it, you know, cause it, the first few times I got in a fight, I realized, Oh, I'm not going to shatter in a million pieces. Yes, it hurts. Yes, it sucks. But I'll, I'll pick myself up. I'll survive. I'll be okay unless I don't. You know, the guy pulls a gun or something. It's like, wow, hey. But it's the idea that um, I think so many guys, and again, it's if, if masculinity is a set of behaviors, guys are not willing to take the risks and willing to be hurt. They get hurt one time, you know, they touch that hot stove and oh God, and never again, which, you know, in a hot stove situation, that's yeah, probably a good thing. But when it comes to like relationships, it's like, no, you're going to get hurt unless you choose to check out, okay? If you decide to be like some of these guys that are, you know, ah, fuck it, I'm going my own way. And I get it, it's a, hey, I don't know your experience, man. Maybe it was so severe that you decided one and done one and done. I'm not doing that ever again, but yet they don't go their own way. They stay on the internet and they whine about it. Yeah. Where I'm like, you're not going your own way. You're sitting here pissing and moaning. You want, you want a pity party, which is kind of what women do where I'm looking at it going, well, dude, life is risk. Life is pain. You learn to find the, the the pleasurable moments in it and you focus on those and whatever, you know, this is good. This is such a fucking cliche, but it's kind of true. But it's whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You know, mm-hmm. you realize, oh, yeah, that hurt when she left. But in my case, for me, anytime a woman either walks out or I have to tell her goodbye, it hurts. But that tells me, well, you cared. I, the, the relationship actually meant something. And, and, and I am sad when I see them go, but I also know in some cases, yeah, you need to go because I'm not what you're looking for. You're not what I'm looking for. Or she's the one who says, oh, oh, you date multiple women. I can do that. And no, she can't. Cause I've encountered quite a few of those that Mm -hmm. they think they can until you know, they're like, "Well, what are you doing on Friday? I got a date. You know, I got someone else I'm going to go see on Friday. I'll see you on Saturday, but Friday, Friday is already booked." Mm-hmm. And the reality of it, when it hits them in the face, sometimes is too much. And yeah. so they're like, "I can't do this." And it's like, "I understand." And i I hate to see you go because I've enjoyed your company so much, but I get it. You gotta go.
0: Yeah. Is what it is. Uh, so speaking, so we, we were talking originally about uh, Nick and Bull Rush. And I, and I mentioned at the beginning that you co-host Red Evening with Jack Napier. And you also frequent Masculine Geek as well. How, Correct. How did you that's get to where
1: I started? Oh. Well, it's funny because when, when the ex-girlfriend, the, the younger, hotter, tighter, when she decided to leave, uh, I started looking into the abyss again. And I know, I know where, I know my flaws, I know my weaknesses, and I know the way my mind tends to work that if I focus on something, I tend to dwell on it. Okay. Okay. And yeah, when she left, I was devastated. Like I said, that was the real red pill.
0: Was that, so let me, let me, so doing my homework for this, I was going through some of your old videos. I mean, some of these videos that I was looking at were from like 2019. Was that from that era?
1: Yeah, right after the breakup era. Okay. Correct. Okay. So I had a lot of, you know, a lot of introspection, a lot of, you know, like I said, without going into, and I'm not gonna go into the details of her side of things just because respect. It's like Sure, sure. But she was an asshole. (laughs) <laughs> you know, she, she didn't do anything as dramatic or as, as spicy as like she cheated on me. No, it wasn't anything like that. But I was blindsided because she chose to take an avoidant route instead of just being honest with me and being upfront. And there were things that had she chose to talk to me about it earlier, we could have possibly worked through it. Okay. And she chose not to. Okay, so she destroyed my trust in her. Mm-hmm. So that's where I was like, well, that ship sailed. You know, there's there's no coming back from this because the damage is just too much. But after we had broke up, you know, I was in a tailspin. I was in a free fall. And there came a point um, where I was like, again, starting to look down the barrel of a shotgun. Mm-hmm. And because I was just like, it was just miserable. And I, you know, I can't really rely on my dad because he's grieving over my mother who had just died. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, I can't fall apart in front of him. And my local friends were all caught up in their lives. They're doing their thing. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to be the burden. And so, but I wasn't quite to the point of like, well, maybe you need to dial that suicide prevention line or something. You know, maybe you need to talk to someone there. But I had, I basically made a tweet on Twitter where I was like, guys, I'm thinking about walking off a ledge and I need someone to talk me off it. And it was Vince, who's the host and the creator of Masculine Geek, yeah. who we'd been following each other. But he hadn't done the show yet. He hadn't created the show yet. But he reached out to me and is like, hey, man, here's my phone number. You know, if you want to talk, just fucking call me. And so I did. Mm -hmm. And we talked like a couple old ladies for like two, three hours, man. It was fucking insane. And he was going through something kind of similar that he'd had a breakup that was, you know, a long term relationship. But basically he was there for me talked me off the ledge and i you know was there for him i'm not saying he was on a ledge but kind of helped him as well Mm -hmm. and it was shortly after that conversation that he was like look i'm thinking of putting a show together and it's going to be me and aaron clary initially was part of it um and a couple other guys and i want you to be involved because he knew I had already been doing videos and stuff. I already had my channel up. I, as far as I know, he'd seen some of it. But he was like, I want you to be on the show. And it's called Masculine Geek. And I was like, wow, you know, you know, you don't even know me. And yet you want to do this show with me. Knowing literally nothing about me, nothing about my personality that I'm like, ah, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. But I I decided, you know what, I'll give it a shot. And that's kind of where I got my start, really, was with Masculine Geek. Okay. And then it was was Nick who came to me and was, you know, he propositioned me with the idea. Actually, no, it was Jack. It was Jack that came to me next and was like, hey, you know, because he had me on his show as a guest. We talked about the manipulated man. Uh, the book for those that wonder what I'm at or talking about, (laughs) but he and I were talking behind the scenes as well. And he was like, Hey, what do you think about, you know, coming on to Red evening? And I'm like, yeah, you know, sure. That'd be cool. So I became a co-host with that one. And then it was Nick that came to me a little later and was like, you know, I'm thinking of doing this. Would you want to be a part of it? And initially, I was just going to be a guest. But it's like, you know, come on. It's a one and done. Because I had Masculine Geek. I had Red Evening. I got my blog. I've got my own personal videos. And I had my own show. And I'm dating. And I'm working full time. Yeah, you're busy. Yeah, very busy. (laughs) But it just kind of worked out where it was initially in the beginning, it was me and Nick. And I became a co-host, you know, pretty much immediately. And then it was Nick who decided, let's bring Bull Rush on, you know, which I've I've met him in real life. He's been to my home. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's he's solid. He's a good dude, you know, so absolutely bring him on. And we've just kind of went from there. And it was about probably about almost a year ago where I was like, I've got way too much shit going on Uh, between three live streams. Well, four counting my own and doing pre-produced videos, doing blog posts, doing an audio and dating and working. It's like, oh, my God, I have way too much on my plate. And that's where I had sat down with Vince and was like, you know, hey, man, I need to take a step back. You know, I, I need to. I, I need to do something here because I I'm, I'm burning the candle at both ends and this isn't working for me anymore. And so I, I stepped down, you know, that it was like, I'm still, a, I guess an honorary member and I still go on occasionally <laughs> depending on the topic, depending on if they have a certain guest on or whatever, Vince will always hit me up and be like, Hey, do you want to be a part of this? And if it's someone I'm interested in or whatever, as far as the content, absolutely. And he, even he and I will still do some things that it's just like me and Vince. We'll sit around. He's got a, another thing going on called Books and Broads, where we read a book. <laughs> and then we talk about the book and our experiences with the book, what we took from it type of thing. And that's been a lot of fun. But that's like once a month that we're doing that. But that's where I, I kind of got my start was with Masculine Geek.
0: Oh, okay, interesting. Um, now, the, the the other night I was on Red Evening with you and Jack, and uh, after the show we were having a discussion about uh, Red Meat and, uh, and 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 Red Pill TM, right? The difference between Red Pill trademark and the difference between that and what actual Red Pill is. Um, with that being said, can you give people just a just a taste of What is red pill TM or trademark and what is actual red pill?
1: Absolutely. Red pill trademark is I'm an alpha male. I I'm red pilled because I read a couple of blogs and I watched a couple of videos. Okay. It's guys who have the, 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 that's jargon heavy. And I've met guys like this in real life where they're, they're, they're spouting the jargon and I'm just like, Holy fuck. I think dude. some of
0: us start out that way.
1: I think we all do. I yeah. think we all do. I think it's kind of like a stage you go through.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Okay, But red pill TM is it's jargon. It's the concept, but you don't really know it. Not really. Because, but you think you do, because like I did, I was red pill TM when I, when I got divorced. You know, I had the jargon down, and I was outraged and angry because I'm watching all the outrage and the anger on the video. I know my
0: nine iron rules. Yeah,
1: yeah, I got Rolo says, and you know, and I'm quote tweeting and parroting him and all that shit. Okay, and 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 it's fine. I think it's a stage. It's it's just part of what you go through. But Red Pill TM is it's the brand. It's the it's the jargon it's you know all the terms in the lingo you kind of fanboy over your your favorite content creator whether that's rollo ryan rich me paul uh jack uh some of the other guys that are out in the sphere you know that that's your that's your guy you know that's this is my boy and you're always having samuels yeah. You're always watching their videos, you know, whenever they come on or whenever a new video comes out, God damn it. You're in the front row at the popcorn fucking watching it. Okay. You know, Donovan sharp. It doesn't matter. Aaron Clary even. Okay. So that's red pill TM. And then there's the red pill where you've walked through the fire. You you've been burned you've gotten through your anger you got through the outrage because i'll admit it right now to you paul i am a recovering outrage addict okay Mm. i got caught up in all the bullshit and it was the do you remember here a couple years ago when gillette was doing their ads and they were shitting on men
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The toxic masculinity shit. Yeah. Yeah. It was that
1: time frame. Okay. So it was when Gillette did their thing. And I'm over there, you know, oh, okay, freaking out, flipping out, getting mad as fuck. And then Ryan Stone produces his own video about the whole thing. And he's like, why do you even care? Unless you're either a woman who they're pandering to. Or you're like in your early 20s, which is their target audience, women and early 20s. They're not even talking to you, you know, and he's saying this in a pre-produced, pre-recorded video. And I'm just like, and it was like a bubble just popped. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with this outrage because it's all manufactured. It's all bullshit. And there's nothing I can do about it. I can't change anything about Gillette. I can't change anything about what, you know, the president's saying or what this guy over here said or, you know, what. I'm like, that's when I started asking, what do I want? Mm-hmm. You know, how does this affect me? Okay. Oh, there's nothing I can do about it. So fuck it. Who cares? No matter whether I get sucked into it or I stay out of it there, my life doesn't change one iota other than if I stay out of it, I get peace of mind. I get yeah. to focus on the things I want to do instead of worrying about, did, did you see what so-and-so said? I, I don't care, dude. I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't affect me. I had, so, the, I had a why? very
0: similar epiphany in 2020. It was like right around, you know, d- during the lockdown, stuff like that. Ah. But I was raised and my parents are still this way. In fact, my mom uh, volunteers for the local county Republicans office and shit. So I hear nothing but politics when I go over to their house. But, oh, God. but yeah. my, par- my parents would watch politics like most families watch football.
1: Oh, God! Okay. And,
0: and so I was raised just in that you know that sphere of trad cons, getting mad at Democrats and all that stuff and just watching the news religiously and being like you said, outrage all the time. Yep. And yeah, it was like toy toy, I realized, you know what? 99 percent of the shit that's on the news has no impact on my life, especially out here in western Colorado, where you know I live out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, the exactly. shit that's happening in Ukraine right now has no effect on me, really. Not
1: well, none whatsoever. No yeah. effect at all.
0: And someone's like, "Oh, well, what about gas prices, dude? I work from home, man. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, even <laughs> gas prices don't affect you. I mean, they affect me, but I can't change that." Right. You know, I commute because my job requires me to actually not be at home. I have to go in. So, yeah, I'm feeling it in the wallet and at the pump. And yeah, it, it irritates me. But the truth is, I can't do anything about it. And Mm -hmm. so why get pissed off over it? Why get wound up over it? Why bother? Why worry? Why, you know, Ah, you know, you can blame Trump, Obama, fucking Clinton and and Biden too for all this. Yeah, dude, either way, you're still paying five bucks a gallon at the pump. So suck it. You know?
0: Yeah. I I heard an interview with, I'm a big pro wrestling nerd. Everybody knows, but uh, it was an interview with John Cena. John Cena was like, look, control the controllable. You know, I don't have control over these other things. I have control over this aspect of my life. So focus on that. And I was like, it, I was like, geez, that's, it's such a, a simple concept, but nobody thinks of it.
1: Well, like most guys have to burn. That's hence how the show, you know, Let Them Burn got its name. You have to set yourself on fire because it's not someone else setting you on fire. It's you setting yourself on fire every time, 100%. Yeah. It's not someone else. It's you. And and it's you that ha- you set yourself on fire. And it's also you that has to put the fire out and decide, are you done yet? Or do you want to keep doing that? Okay. And it is, it's all about what is, what is in my sphere of influence? What can I control? Like what you just said. So. Yeah.
0: Also go back to the, the, the title of, of let them burn. I was under the impression that it was more along the lines of uh, like, you can't save guys. Like they need to save themselves. Right. Is yep. that kind of it? That's, Cause I, I, I had these good. guys that will reach out to me and they'll say, dude, don't you think that red pill is about like reaching down and pulling other men up? I'm like, no, No. I go, not at all. I was like, if you read rational mail, I mean, he clearly says that it's, uh, it's like triage save the ones you can let the other ones die a comfortable death. It, you just have to realize like it, it's not your job to save everybody. No,
1: most guys, part of the whole, you know, going through the red pill TM, which that's part of that. Sure. Those sure. guys that, you know, you got to help a brother out type of thing. Uh, that's part of the red pill TM. Mm-hmm. Okay. The thing is with that, most guys, and I'm sure you've been there too, Paul, we have, and I think it's hardwired in us. It's that captain save a home mentality. Captain okay? save a Cap- bro. Yeah. And and I've said that. I've said that on a show that what I see happen and it's almost predictable. Guys start out that they're the captain save a hose until they get burned. Okay? They set themselves on fire to save some chick from herself and then they get fucking, you know, annihilated in the divorce or in the the breakup, whatever. And then so they figure that one out. They get it down that man, you know, never mind ain't shit, but they they figure out yeah, her problems, I'm not here to save her from herself. Mm-hmm. So they're able to uh resist that impulse to set themselves on fire for a woman. Yeah. But then they turn around and take that very same desire, if you will, and they go they become captain saver, bro. Now it's instead of the women, now I've got I to save my bro. And I'm like, no, that fucker gets to burn too. No, okay. you, you're not here to save hoes or bros. The red pill, when you get past the brand, when you get past the trademark, the red pill is about what is, not how you want it to be, wish it would be, could be, should be, ought to be. And it's about you. The individual, it's about you as the person to say, what do I want? Now, if you want to play Captain Saver, bro, dude, I've got a, a damp towel over here for when you, you know, put the fire out and you want to wipe the ash off. I also have a can of gasoline and a match in case you want to light yourself back up again. Either way, I'm entertained. Okay. <laughs> but the real red pill is about you navigating your life and getting the things you want. Mm-hmm. Not about saving your bros or saving somehow. It's about what do you want? What do you have control over? What what are the things you personally can influence in your life? And that's it. Mm-hmm. Anything else is a distraction or it's irrelevant.
0: Yeah. Yes. It's doing it for yourself and not for anyone else either. Correct. Yeah. Man, this is a really good conversation. We're a little over an hour now, I think, Rob. So I think we'll wrap up. Okay. Where can people find you online?
1: Easiest place to find me is at, is at robsays.net. That's says. my, yep. Rob says.net. That's my flagship, if you will, all the links to the blog, to my videos, all that shit. It's, it's all there. So.
0: All right. We'll put that in the description. Rob, thank you very much. You're welcome thank back. Thank you for anytime, having
1: man. me on, Paul. I appreciate it, man.
0: Yeah. Anytime. Rob, great conversation. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I actually really like talking to you. I actually get quite a bit, uh, Of valuable information when I talk to you, Um, there were some questions that I didn't get to, but that's always a good sign. I actually really like it when I have a bunch of questions written up, and we don't get to all of them because the conversation is just flowing so well, or you know, my guest has some really great stories to tell and stuff like that. It's it's always like (laughs) when I get done with a show, if I've answered, if I've asked every single question, I'm like, damn. Damn it. Um, <laughs> all right, Rob, again, welcome back anytime. Um, you know, I think by the time this drops, I'll probably have been on uh, Red Evening a couple more times. So, guys, check out Red Evenings on Fridays with uh, Jack Napier and Rob. Uh, those are pretty fun conversations. Just, you know, a couple guys shooting the shit about. I think it comes on about 10 p.m. Mountain Standard or Mountain Daylight Time. That's what we're in now, uh, which is Rob's in my time zone, or uh, I guess you know 9 p.m. Pacific or 12 <laughs> midnight Eastern Time. But definitely tune tune in to it. Sometimes uh, it, it, they have some they have some good uh, topics of conversation. All right, that's it for this week, guys. We'll see you next week. This has been the Come On Man podcast. New full episodes served hot every Monday morning on your favorite podcast platform of choice. So subscribe now. Follow Paul on social media. The links are in the description. Now, go out and get it.